If you have your Bibles, this morning I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of, belong, kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Father, I just thank you for your word. Pray God today for just your anointing to be upon me as I share and upon the hearers to hear. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. This morning is going to be probably just a little bit different um, with you as I just kind of just want to share some things that, as I told you before you left for uh, Thanksgiving breaks, things that were on my heart, that as I ponder ministry and look at ministry and the future of ministry, what does it really mean? And where is it heading? And it's been something in my life and on my heart for years. And, and I'm concerned for you as men and women of God. Primarily in the area of motivation. Why you are here and why you do what you do. And I'm concerned only because I see so much stuff taking place in the ministry today that I just... You could get bewildered if you watched, you know, looked at it for too long and begin wondering what is, what is going on. And much of the things that you see happening in ministry that I have seen for, you know, last decades are many things that in prior years uh, have actually sparked revival as the status quo, you might say, got disenchanted with what they seen and started reaching for something more. And many times it began within the preachers themselves to say enough of this. There's got to be something more to this than this. Amen? So, when I look at this this morning and I look from this text and we're going to dance around on several little things here, but I think that as we look at our ministry focus, questions that we have to ask ourselves is, what is the focus of my ministry? Who am I targeting? Am I targeting the same people Jesus targeted? Am I focused upon the same mission Jesus was mission, you know, focused upon? Acts 2.21 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, who is the whosoever? Come on now. And how does Jesus' mission statement apply to me? Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You've heard me say this.
probably a hundred times. If it is Christ's mission statement, then it must be what? It has to be mine. When we talk about the poor, it talks about those who are cringing, couching like a beggar. State of condition. Understanding of just, not just true poverty, but the poverty within a soul. When we talk about captives, it's a picture of prisoners that are taken. And that during a time of war, they're drug off. And that's what the devil has done today. He's got so many people captive that they see no hope. And that's what you and I are to bring. When we talk about the blind, it's the physically blind, the figuratively blind. We talk about the pressed, the bruised. We're talking about those that are shattered to pieces. Those that are crushed. Those that are oppressed, the broken hearted. It talks about those that are shattered by will and by feeling all the way grounded down into powder. That's who He's come to reach. That's who He died for. When we come together and feast within our churches, I wonder where we are when we look at Luke 14. Then He said also to him that bade him, Will thou make us a dinner or a supper? Call not thy friends. Nor thy brethren. Come on now, you just came through Thanksgiving. Who was around your table? Kingsmen, you're thy neighbors. Let's also bid thee again, and recompense be made thee. In other words, are you only inviting those that you can get something from? Those whose presence you enjoy. Those who don't stink. Come on now. Those that kind of rub you the long way when you're sitting next to them. But when thou has a feast, call the poor, call the maimed, come on, call the lame, call the blind, that thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, they cannot give back to you, but you will receive it where? I think God's asking us to rewrite our guest list. Who are you inviting? Who was invited to church today? I shared with the staff on on, uh, Monday's devotion. I asked them the question, what if everybody did what you did during Thanksgiving? How many souls would have been touched for Jesus Christ? And I asked you, who are they laying at your feet? Matthew 15, 29-31 says this, Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, having gone up to the mountains. He was sitting there, and large crowds came to Him, bringing with those who were lame, those who were crippled, those who were blind, those who were mute, and many others, and they laid Him at His feet, that He might heal them. Which brings us to Mark chapter 10. And they brought the children to him. D.L. Moody was asked one time after revival. Made the comment about two and a half people were saved. And the guy I walked up and said, what do you mean? He goes, you mean that you had two adults and one child? D.L. Moody said, no, I had, no, he said two children and one adult. He said, when you save a child, you save a whole life. Not a half of one. Come on, somebody. Nearly 80% of the people in the church today decide to do it before the age of 18. 
50% of them do it before the age of 12. And we all know that once a person gets over the age 18, how hard it is to reach them for Christ. Jesus must have known what he said here in this passage was going to end up, come on, on every children's ministry door. It's going to be a plaque. You know, let the children, come on, don't suffer the children coming unto me. This is not about what the kingdom of God that you and I are supposed to become. This is talking about children. And that is a fundamental truth about children. There's a season in every person's life that seems where we're more open to the gospel than any other time. That happens to be during our childhood. Some call it the season between 4 and 14. They call it that window where a child is molded. And I've shared many times with you that in the years of communism, you know, they used to say if they could get a child and hold on them to the age of eight, they'd have them so indoctrinated you could never undoctrinate them. Come on. So when we look at this, it just to me seems that Jesus targeted certain groups of people. And I keep asking myself, God, are we targeting the same people as you targeted with your life? Because I go to church all over the place, and yet I don't see any of the people that you targeted sitting in the churches next to me. When I first went into ministry, first got saved, basically, Keith Green... It was right in the time when, I don't know how many know who Keith Green is, but famous singer, he got saved and then wrote all kinds of stuff. But he came out and everybody was right at that time, and I think 1982, somewhere right around there is when he died. In a plane crash with his, well, a couple, I think two of his kids. But his last message was all about why we ought to be doing missions and why we should be going. And his message, that message that he had, preachers were taking it and preaching it all over the world. And you can imagine, I just get saved and all of a sudden I get hit with this. And I still remember and I found uh, here what was actually written in that. And I want to just read a little bit to that, to what he said. He said, only 9% of the world's population speaks English. Yet 94% of all ordained ministers or preachers in the whole world minister to that 9%. of all Christian finances are spent in the United States, ministering to 6% of the world's population. Only 4% of all Christian money is spent on missionary endeavors. In other words, reaching the world. There are over a million full-time Christian workers in the U.S. Come on. The rest of the world gets 2,417 or whatever it is per, per nation or whatever. While in America has approximately one worker for every 230 people, those who have never heard the gospel even once have one worker for nearly over a half a million people. And I thought one of his other points, he said this, speaking about, he reminded us of, of what Oswald J., uh, J. Smith said. He said, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. 
First Second Corinthians four three and four. But if our God, if our gospel will be hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, that they might not see light, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Has it occurred to you that Jesus wants every creature to hear the gospel? If you had 20 children to feed and had plenty of food to feed them all, do you think it would be right to give three of your children ten meals, seven children one meal, and the remaining children nothing left to starve to death? He said that's exactly what we've done with the gospel in the world today. So this morning as I share this with you, What I'm wanting you to think about is the people Jesus died for and the people that is very straightforward on who He reached and who He focused upon. When we talk about children, the underserved of society, there's roughly, whatever, over 7 billion people in the world. Half of them are under the age of 25. 48 million people, just to give you some idea, when you look at America's stats with abortion, To understand America's stats with abortion, you would have to take every person of Spanish descent in our country and remove them. To get an idea of how many babies we have killed in this country. As we look at them as a disposable generation of people. Latin America, the Caribbean, ranks one of the most violent regions, especially towards children. Central America's fifth. Latin American and the Caribbean have the highest homicide rates between the ages of 15 and 17. Six million children in Latin America and the Caribbean suffer abuse, including abandonment. Over 80,000 of the age 18 will die from parental abuse. Studies show that 78% of the children victims are girls. 50% uh, perpetrators live in the very house that they are in. Over 50% of the girls' first sexual encounter is forced upon them. Just gives you, you know, the voice of who we are to be as the church. Over 51 million children in the world have never even been registered. In other words, you could dispose of them tomorrow and no one even know that they existed. 500 million to 1.5 billion children are estimated to experience violence every year. 158 million children are forced into labor from the age of five. 70 million girls and women have had mutilation of the genitals. Just think of that. Between the ages of 15 and the teenage years. Child marriage is, of course, in poor countries forced, upon, forced upon them in their teenage years. Child trafficking, estimated number of children trafficking is, is continuing to arise. It's the most lucrative business, one of the most lucrative businesses today, is the, is the trafficking of, of children. Thirty-two billion a year is made from it. Children without parental care. More than 17.5 million children have lost their parents, probably uh, most primarily to AIDS. One million are detained in prison systems. Over a million are detained in prison systems that for trivial things. 650 million people worldwide of the kids live in disability. 
Mortality for children is been under five is the highest, 80%. Then you move down to different as we move from children. You move into orphans. The whole idea is there's, there's 153 million orphans worldwide. Most of them are there because of the cycle, again, of poverty, HIV, drug trafficking, prostitution, slavery. That's usually where they all end up. There's 245 million. Move on next to widows. 245 million widows in the world. Approximately 115 million of them live in poverty. Again, the loss of their husbands. And they're there left to fend for themselves, raise their children on their own. The unstable, the emotionally troubled. One in four people in the world have some type of emotional disorder. 400 million, 50 million of them suffer with some level of probably schizophrenia. 40% of the countries have no uh, mental health policy at all for any of the folks that are suffering. They say that one in five Americans have experienced is primarily high amongst women, amongst uh, teens. Teen suicide, as you know, is the third leading cause of death for kids 15 to 24 years old. Then you look at the physically impaired, 15% of the world's population, some 785 million people have some level of disability, whether it's blindness, a limb, whatever, you know, uh, deafness, some post-traumatic syndrome, what, all those various illnesses. And 20% of them, again, are children. Elderly. Two, by year two, uh, 2025, the U.S. elderly population in this nation will double. At the same time, those workings only get increased by 13%. I'm going to know that we're heading towards a disaster when it comes to Social Security. There's no way that you can sustain it. The elderly in this country, I promise you, in the next decade, the two decades, will be one of the major primary concerns for the church. Move on to the prison population. More than 10 million prisoners in the world today. The bulk of those prisoners, guess where they are? Number one place, America. Second, China. Third, Russia. Then, of course, when it comes to addictions, I think you already can just imagine what that is worldwide. Just millions of people bound in various addictions. And then, of course, poverty. The total number of people that live on less than $2.50 a day is half the world's population. Those that live under $10 a day is 80% of the world's population. So when you're moaning and groaning about how poor you are, you have no idea that you're one of the wealthiest people in the world. Don't shout me down. Total number of children that die each day to poverty, 22,000. Those children and people that die from inadequate water source, 1.1 billion. 400 million of them are children. In 1820, the ratio to poverty was 3 to 1. Today it's 100 to 1. For every one person that's living successfully, there's 100 bound in poverty. John 4, 31 through 45 said this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. 
So the disciples went when there, no, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps receives wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For this case it is saying, the one who sows and another reaps, I sent you to reap that what you have not labored, others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And then it says, from many of the cities, the Samaritans began to come out. Many believe as Jesus was there in Samaria. That when he said that, that, that woman that went back from the well and testified, come and see the one that has told me everything about my life. They believe that as Jesus looked out, he's seen the masses of those people pouring out of that city. And Jesus was saying, open your eyes and look. Do you see what I see? Do you see the lostness of mankind? Does your heart ache? Don't say that I'm going to do this months down the road. This is going to happen. He's saying the harvest is now. Who are we reaching? Why are you here? What do you want to accomplish in the ministry God has called you to? Is this about success for you? Is this about people knowing your name? Is this about building the largest church or the largest ministry? Or is it about servanthood? Is it about being a no-name preacher with a no-name ministry, reaching a bunch of no-name people? The other day I shared with staff on Monday, I was in the hospital room with Jerry. And when I walked into the room into the hospital. I got through the front door of the hospital there. And the guy that was watching him pointed and said, There! That's it, Jerry! Look at There's Pastor! He's all yours! I've had enough of him! <laughs> I had all the visitors from Thanksgiving, so I think he was just, he was just going crazy. <laughs> so he was like, They're talking! You know, you know, he speaks so fast, I can understand what he's saying. He's still mumbling, trying to get all these words out. So they pushed him in the back, and we sat down, and we talked and prayed, and it was so powerful, because when we got done, you know, uh, I, don't, I, don't th- I don't know if I told you, th- you guys this, but I bought him a, uh, did I tell you about the little iPad, or iPod thing I bought him? I, I, I bought him his little iPod with his little speaker. Jennifer said, Dad, you better get a speaker in case you don't like the things on his ear. And sure enough, she was right. He didn't like the thing on his ear. But they, I put the Gospel of Mark. I started it with the song, The Healer, two chapters of the Gospel of Mark, then another song on healing, two more chapters of the Gospel of Mark, and another song, and I did the whole Gospel of Mark that way. And when I put it on, the first time that I put it on, and it was sitting there, I said, I got, I wasn't sure I was going to give it to him, and then I felt, as I watched him sit, I said, I said, I got something in my car, I want to go get for you. And I ran out and I got it, and I put it down on the table, and, and, uh, and then when we put the song on, I was share, oh, I shared this with the staff. I put the song on that first one. He just sat there. And he just sat and just listened and listened. And pretty soon, tears start streaming down the sides of his face. And the guy that's his therapist, whatever, you're, you know, he's, he's there and he's going, Jerry, Jerry, I've never seen you cry. What? Jerry, you know, and he was just going... 
And all of a sudden he grabbed my hand, and I guess in the, in the Philippines, when they grab your hand and put their, you know, their hand uh, to your forehead, it's a sign of honor, respect. And he was just his way of saying thank you, thank you, you know. And so when I got there, we played that this last uh, Sunday when I was there. I, I did the same thing, put the song on, and of course he quieted down. And then we got done with the song, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. He was so worked up. Tears again coming down his face, and he was just, he was, oh, 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 you know, and I was like, what, what is he saying? And then I realized what he's saying is, don't forget Byron. I was like, what? Don't forget Byron. In other words, remember Brian, the, Byron's the guy that's in the bed next to him, all crippled up from an accident. And he was saying, don't forget him. Jesus came for him too. I wheeled him up next to the bed, and I mean, he was going crazy. And we just prayed, and I put the song on, and you could feel the glory of the Lord filling that room. I mean, the presence of God felt like we were just singing with angels. It was powerful. And it made me realize this, that light does not just appear in darkness. Light appears in darkness because Jesus said that He is the light of the world and that light lives on the inside of you and me. So light appears when you and I decide to walk in the midst of darkness. So if we are not going to minister to the lame, the cripple, if we're going to say, well, you know what, I don't see where that brother right there probably ain't going to make me no money in my church, so I don't, you know, I'm going to be targeting him. And those children, you know, man, come on now. That, they're just going to be a liability. They're just going to cost me money. Then light will not appear to the lame, to the blind, to the crippled. They are truly doubly dead. Dead once for the deadness of this life and dead twice because you and I have chosen not to reach them. Because they're not going to add to our bottom line. Jesus' group that he reached seemed pretty specific. The group that he healed seemed pretty specific. I just want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to truly be dead to this world. And I'm going to challenge you today to truly be dead to what we call ministry in this nation. Run from it. Get away from it. It's so far from the heart of God, it's unbelievable. It's not about your salary. It's not about your house. It's not about your car. Those are all the things the world are chasing after. If you're defining me by the car, well, come on, somebody, or the house or whatever we're living in. God, I thought we got into this to die to all that stuff. I said, I thank God, you know, hey, I appreciate the board, whatever, leasing that car for me. But you know what? It isn't mine. I don't want any of the junk. I'm not in this for this. 
My God, I pray that you're not in it for that. I pray you're never for sale. I pray it's never about your salary. I pray it's never about the house you live in. I pray it's not about who's calling your name or shouting your name out. Or who's looking at you or who's not looking at you. We've turned the pulpit into a bunch of rock stars. It's all about my books and my tapes and my whatever. whatever. Where in the world is that in the Gospel? We want to jump over Jesus and get to Abraham. Well, what about Jesus? He's your example. He was dead to this world. He didn't chase the possessions of this life. We have just creamed the witness of us as ministers. Because now it's all we chase after. It's all we think about. And a place like that little hospital over there would have no light. And there's dark places like that. And those of you that are in points of light and mighty blaze, you see them every day. Because you carry the gospel to places you know, man. If you don't carry it here, it ain't coming here. You are the light. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning. It's all about upward mobility today in the ministry. It's about starting a ministry in one place and end up in another one because each one's a bigger step than the one before. God, have mercy on us. God, your ministry is for sale and so is all your preachers. But God, as Paul said, I'm persuaded different of this generation. That every generation there rose up a group, God, that just got sick of the status quo. Got sick of seeing what they see. And said they believed in something different. God, I'm praying that of this generation. God, I'm praying that of this generation. I'm persuaded different, God. I'm just persuaded different. Prophetic voices. I declare it over him. Prophetic voices. I just declare it over him today. They're a different generation. They're a different heart. 